This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. It's Thursday, January 12th. If the planes themselves were this fragile, would you ever fly in them? We start here. A computer glitch forces the FAA to keep flights grounded for hours. We saw hundreds of cancellations, and we saw some big airports affected. What caused this debacle and why the whole aviation system increasingly feels like a high-wire act? It would take political pressure to get him out of Congress while that pressure is suddenly ramping up. Will you step down? I will not. It's not just our reporters asking George Santos questions, it's his Republican allies as well. And if you haven't heard of him, it's because you're not a teenage boy. He started to deem himself as the king of misogyny. Why it took an arrest to expose a misogynist icon. From ABC News, this is Start Here. I'm Brad Milkey. how outraged everyone was when Southwest Airlines' staffing system just seemed to disintegrate over the holiday. It seemed like it had apparently been held together by tinsel and candy canes or something, and suddenly no one could fly anywhere. Well, it wasn't funny to flyers, and it wasn't funny to the Department of Transportation. In fact, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg came on Good Morning America to, in effect, shame Southwest. So what this indicates is a system failure. We are now a couple weeks removed from all that. Customers are still locating their bags, but yesterday Yesterday morning, across the country, flights were once again stuck on the ground. This time, though, it was even more dramatic because it was the federal government itself saying no flights can take off. And in what appears to be one of the biggest air travel glitches in American history, the Federal Aviation Administration said a computer failure had forced it to issue this nationwide halt. ABC's transportation correspondent Gio Benitez joins us now. And Gio, like, when I think of a ground stop like this, I think of what happened on the morning of September 11th. W- what happened here? And in fact, Brad, that was the last time that we saw a ground stop quite this big, right? And that's the big question, right? How did this even happen? So here's what Secretary Buttigieg says happened. Late Tuesday night, there was some sort of issue that led the backup system to kick in. So now we know there was a backup system for this in place. Then the main system came back online, but the problem was that it wasn't delivering all of the accurate information. They weren't very confident in the information that was going out to pilots. And here's why that's important important, Brad, because this is delivering key safety information that pilots need before they take off. That's how they're getting this information. They're getting it through this computer system. So it's critical that this system be in place and be working properly. So somewhere before 5 a.m. on Wednesday morning, they weren't confident in what was going on there with that system, Mm. even though it was back up. So they decided to refresh it. And that's when we saw all of those delays and cancellations start happening. There's just a lot of frustration, um, a lot of confusion. We had airline sources calling us and saying, you guys got to pay attention to this because this is really, really big. That's how critical this system is. And so we started looking at that. And then they decided, you know what, at 7 a.m., that's when they went ahead and issued that ground stop. I'm really upset, but what can I do? I'm hoping 
that I don't have to drive from uh, Detroit to Memphis. Our Secretary Buttigieg needs to get his act together. I think they should just punch Control-Alt-Delete. They needed the time to figure out and make sure Mm. that it was delivering accurate information to pilots before they actually took off. And that caused such a dilemma. I mean, still, all day long Wednesday, we were seeing delays and cancellations even after this was resolved. Yeah. How widespread was this? And, you know, does this continue having reverberations on flights going forward? So we saw hundreds of cancellations and we saw some big airports affected, right? LaGuardia, Reagan, D.C. Uh, We saw Chicago O'Hare really affected by these issues. And we saw thousands upon thousands of delays. And those were continuing on. Now, the the big question, though, is how did this even happen? Uh, Another challenging day for U.S. aviation. There was why did that backup system kick in in the first place? place. And I think that's going to be the biggest question here. Uh, We are now pivoting to focus on understanding the causes of the issue. Now, experts have been saying that this is a really outdated system. They've been screaming about this and they've been saying we need this system replaced. This is an argument that's been made for years, by the way. Uh, Now, I think when they look at what happened here, no doubt about it, they're going to have to reevaluate where the money is going and if they go ahead and replace the system altogether. Well, and that's the thing, Gio, because is it just me or do we currently have an air system that is on the brink of utter chaos on like any given day, both privately and publicly? Because Southwest was castigated for having like antiquated systems despite getting huge checks from the government during the pandemic. President Biden signed a huge infrastructure plan that was supposed to improve air travel federally. And like what the FAA doesn't have working computers. What are we doing? Yeah. And twenty five million dollars from the infrastructure bill that's going to the FAA. And so the big question is, where are they spending that money and where are they going to be spending that money? Uh, Of course, there was a big staffing issue. Right. So we know that the money is going in part to that. But no doubt about it. They got to look at this uh, because they need to fix this issue. This cannot happen again. Mm. Uh, This is critical information. And, And you know, what's really curious is that, you know, everybody's sort of wondering, well, was it a cyber attack, right? Because that's where your mind goes right away. Well, the White House is saying there's no evidence of a cyber attack yet. But at the same time, just hours after this happened, Canada's system went down too. Now, Canada's saying this is unrelated, but it's just really strange mm. how two neighboring countries are having such similar issues at the same time. Wow, really interesting. All right, Gio Benitez, thank you so much. Thank you, Brad. Next up on Start Here, he's been literally trying to outrun reporters to the elevators. Well, no one outruns Rachel Scott, the congressional future of George Santos, after the break. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts. Married moms in the suburbs. They've been called soccer moms. They've been called security moms. Pamela Wilk is a so-called soccer mom. Those so-called Walmart moms. She calls herself a hockey mom. I love those hockey moms. The hockey mom trying to connect with the soccer moms. In the 1990s, the idea of soccer moms as the quintessential swing voter took hold. Elections could be won or lost based on a candidate's ability to appeal to them. 
But were quote-unquote soccer moms actually the deciding factor? In a new series on the 538 Politics podcast, we take a look back at conventional wisdom from past elections with a critical lens. Where did that wisdom come from, and does it hold up today? Find the Campaign Throwback series in the 538 Politics feed wherever you get your podcasts. Last week showed just how narrow the margins will be in the House of Representatives for the rest of the year. I hope one thing is clear after this week. I never give up. Any couple Republicans can have a huge sway over the whole party, meaning it would take a lot for Republicans to kick out one of their own votes. And yet, there are growing calls to do just that. He has to be held accountable for that. That's unacceptable in politics. It it breaches the trust between uh, the electorate uh, and their elected official. George Santos, the now sworn-in congressman from Long Island, New York, was sworn in last week despite the fact he's admitted to embellishing or outright fabricating key parts of his biography. Well, yesterday... Some of his fellow Republicans in New York said they want him out. ABC's congressional correspondent Rachel Scott is in Washington now. And Rachel, you've basically been chasing Santos around the Capitol the last few days trying to get basic answers to your questions about what he's going to do. What, what do we know at this point? Well, Brad, if there's one thing I could tell you, it's that George Santos is as defiant as ever. He will not step down. He will not resign. He is being called a disgrace, a stain on the House of Representatives. George Santos' campaign last year was a campaign of deceit, lies, fabrication. Republicans from the state party of New York are saying that it is time for him to step aside after all of these allegations that he fabricated, that he lied about his resume came out, that he essentially defrauded voters. But he told me he's not going anywhere. Will you step down? I will not. He is accused of defrauding voters, Brad. And honestly, a lot of this he has admitted to. He has admitted to lying to voters about being a college graduate, about graduating from Baruch College, about working for gold Goldman Sachs and Citibank. I mean, huge swaths of his biography are entirely fiction. I think we can all look at ourselves in the mirror and admit that once in our life we made a mistake. I'm having to admit this in national television for the whole country to see. He sold voters on the American dream, telling them that he was the son of immigrants, that his parents fled and survived the Holocaust. None of that was true, Brad. His fabrications went too far. Many groups were hurt, specifically I look at those families that were touched by the horrors of the Holocaust and feel for them. And so now faced with growing calls for him to step down and resign, he says that he's not going anywhere. Well, and I feel like a common question would be like, isn't that illegal to lie? Like, wouldn't you be kicked out legally somehow? The answer is no, right? Like, there's no HR department in charge of elections in this country. So if you're in, you're in. However, there are ways you can get kicked out of Congress regardless of what you want, right? Like, they would be criminal charges, (laughs) like getting criminally convicted, would would get you kicked out of Congress pretty quick. And if Congress itself votes you out, like you you can vote out other members of Congress. It takes some big supermajority. So that wouldn't be up to the local GOP on Long Island, but it could be up to like House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and, and fellow Republicans now, right? Yes, Brad. And I actually posed this question to House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. I said, will you take any action against George Santos? Will you push to try and censure him? Will you not give him any committee assignments? And he told me that this will be up to voters to decide in the next midterm election. Mm. Well, Brad, that is two years away. And most of these allegations came to light after the midterm election, after George Santos was already elected to serve the people on Long Island. So a lot of voters feel like they were just lied to. The voters elected him to serve. 
If there is a concern, it has to go through the ethics. We'll let it move through that. Here's the problem for McCarthy, Brad. He has a razor-thin majority. He can only afford to lose four Republicans on any given piece of legislation. And even Santos backed his bid for Speaker of the House. So McCarthy here is trying to walk a very fine line clearly. And Santos right now is expecting to get some committee assignments. He says he's not picky. And then he'll take whatever he can get, Brad. And if it was a deep red district, you could imagine that that may be more palatable. But this Long Island district, apparently... That is not deep red. Like if they do a special election to replace Santos, that could all of a sudden be a Democrat, which is why these principles and politics are getting conflated a lot right now. All right. Rachel Scott. Thank you. Thanks, Brad. Right before the new year, something happened. The Internet started blowing up about the arrest of a man named Andrew Tate. Breaking Andrew Tate and brother Tristan have been arrested in Romania. What do they have on him? I don't know. They would never do such thing. I'm just so shocked. Maybe you've never heard of Andrew Tate. I had only heard his name in passing. And the fact that he was in Romania, arrested by Romanian authorities, did not seem to justify this amount of international interest. But the reason this was such a big deal is because if you're not a young man under the age of 25, Andrew Tate might be the most famous person that you've never heard of. He's an internet sensation, and he's part of a growing movement of openly misogynist men preaching their philosophies almost exclusively to men in their 20s and teens. Which brings me back to this arrest when Andrew Tate was arrested for sexual assault. ABC's Ashan Singh has been reporting on this extensively. Ashan, this arrest made waves not just for who it was, but also kind of how it happened, how it went down. Before we get into why this matters, can you just back up and explain how this kind of burst into the mainstream? Yeah, it's super interesting that so many of us are hearing Andrew Tate's name for the first time because you, ha- if you have a young man in your life, a young boy even, from the age of 10 years old to 25 years old, they definitely know Andrew Tate's name. He's one of the most popular people in the digital space for people that age, specifically young men. Yeah, my name is Andrew Tate, four-time kickboxing world champion, multimillionaire and all-around nice guy was at one time the most Googled man on the planet for basically saying that water is wet. The fact that he's kind of burst onto the scene for being arrested in Romania is kind of surprising, I think, to sort of the mainstream, but it really shows kind of the bandwidth uh, of how big this guy's influence has become and how big it's gotten over such a short period of time. And the truth is, unless you're a hater, I basically live the life every man has ever dreamed of. Nice hook and a body kick from Tate. Andrew started out as a a professional kickboxer and MMA fighter. He then went on to be on the UK's version of Big Brother. So I'm not going to apologize to the world for playing. This part of it is a test. I mean, it's a game. game. We'll all be friends afterwards. It's a game. It's a test. He was actually kicked off pretty quickly after accusations of sexual assault uh, sort of surfaced, which he denied, um, and really sort of used that sort of jump off point to become this influencer and build this platform where he started to deem himself as the king of misogyny. Every single man in history had multiple wives, and there was not a single woman who was celebrated for having multiple husbands. I have seen so many women fail to park and crash cars and do dumb I do not want a female pilot flying me through a hurricane. So he kind of developed into this cult of personality using social media, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, all platforms that he is actually now banned from um, to sort of build this personality 
through the guise of building confidence in young men. All these people who talk about toxic masculinity and how bad it is for men to be traditionally masculine. A traditionally masculine man does things he doesn't feel like doing because it is his duty to do them. But really, a lot of the stuff that he's actually spewing is outright misogyny and advocating for things like domestic violence. I believe the woman is given to the man. I believe she's given away by the father. I believe she belongs to the man. So you she do, belongs to so the fundamentally, man. All right, so fundamentally, you do believe that a woman becomes a man's property at I marriage. believe she belongs to the man in marriage, correct? Who is Andrew Tate? That's the question. Andrew Tate, I think it's, I say, is an internet sensation. Um, One of the people we spoke to when covering the story was Tam Khan, who's a longtime friend of Andrew Tate. He's known him for over 15 years, and he runs his own uh, MMA gym in Dubai. You know, one of those gyms where you're sure to see kids aged from 12 to 25, especially young men, who are who are learning how to fight and kind of become that alpha male that, that Andrew Tate espouses. And I'll tell you why, because I'm around youth and kids all my, myself all on a daily basis in gyms. I think he tells them to stand up, be confident, be stay fit, stay healthy. A healthy body means a healthy mind and vice versa. He basically says that, that you know, his the kids in his gym are huge fans of Andrew Tate. He says he's had celebrities as big as John Cena in his gym, but the kids aren't lined up and going as crazy for anyone as when Andrew Tate walks in the gym. When you mentioned allegations earlier in his life, like he wasn't charged for those. So, so why has he been arrested now? He was just arrested recently along with his brother Tristan and uh, two other Romanian citizens, not just for alleged sexual assault and rape, but also human trafficking and being a part of an organized criminal group. Mr. Tate, why did the police search your car? Andrew Tate has allegedly been in Romania for quite some time now. He says it in his podcasts and his videos under quotes that he likes to live a more free life. People say, why did in Romania? And I explain my five reasons. One of them is the Me Too era. They go, oh, well, you're a rapist. I say, no, I'm a rapist. But I like the idea of being able to just say to, to do what I want. I like being free. So he has allegedly built his wealth and his business over webcamming. Um, he said that at the height of his business, he has amassed over $600,000 a month just from that webcam page alone. So what Romanian authorities are actually accusing Tate, his brother, and two Romanian citizens of are luring women to Romania and actually committing acts of physical violence and mental coercion against them and forcing them to actually perform pornography for Tate's webcam business. Brevet, so I press M1, yes? For the uh, yeah, yeah. I think one time is enough. He's also just become such a, a persona that that is known for flaunting his wealth. Showing off his cars, talking about what it means to be that traditional alpha male. How do you be successful as a man? We'll talk about that. First thing, you need freedom. Because you ain't a man if you're not free. If you're working your ass off, you're a slave. He's sort of fighting this notion that masculinity is in the crosshairs and is under attack. And you'll actually find defenders of Tate saying that, you know, this is a trick that he uses to, to build an audience and to gain a following. What is Andrew Tate's belief system that, that he puts out on the platform? I think in a way, I agree to an extent. I think, look, he's just saying to guys, young guys who are introverts, guys who feel like world sucks, they can't get a girlfriend, they feel like they're not successful. He reaches that target audience irrespective of what he says and does and you know that his fans will still be ardent fans they will still support him 
Another expert we talked to, Brad, was Dr. Lisa Segura. She's from the UK, and she's an expert in cybercrime and gender. And one of the groups that she's really focused on is the incel community. So I researched the incel, the involuntary celibate community, for over five years. He's not an incel. He's something a little bit different. In fact, he would be the alpha male, which is pretty much how he has created this persona for himself. She's also basically saying that Andrew Tate is sort of filled this void as sort of the superhero or anti-hero in a lot of ways to members of this community. And that's why you're seeing this attraction to the things that he says, because he stands for something that people aren't really advocating for anymore. There's this male victimhood that somehow um, men, particularly white, cis, heterosexual men, are now the oppressed and need to fight back. That mindset is really at the core then of this development. Part of what makes this so interesting is, like, a couple decades ago, if someone was famous, they were famous to everyone, right? Like, even if they appealed to a niche audience, we'd find out about them because we all watch the same news and the same news sources. So, like, if all the kids are into Marilyn Manson, well, there's stories in Billboard. There's a story in the local news. Parents go, oh, there's this Marilyn Manson character. Now, isn't part of the issue that in digital media, the algorithm knows I won't care about Andrew Tate, so I never hear about him, while the kid down in the hall in my apartment building is being served up Andrew Tate videos nonstop. Yeah, it's kind of the blessing and the curse of today's age of the algorithm, right? You're seeing what you want to see ultimately on your preferred social media page, but at the same time, you're probably not seeing what a bunch of 15 to 25-year-old boys are seeing, which is someone like Andrew Tate. You know, these new social media companies have us in these algorithmic bubbles, and that really forces us to, to learn about some of these nefarious characters only when they're actually being arrested. So what happens to him next here? So Tate actually appeared in court this week, and he and his defense completely denied all allegations. But the judge did order that Tate must remain in custody for the time being. As far as the court of public opinion on Tate, just because Andrew Tate has been banned from all these social media platforms doesn't mean his content is not getting out there. You see a ton of copycat pages, a ton of fan pages that are recutting and re-splicing Andrew Tate's material and putting it out there, and it's not getting flagged, you know, because it's obviously not under Andrew Tate's name. So his fan base is still very much there. They're fervently defending him. You're seeing hashtag free Tate free top g which is tate's kind of nickname amongst his fans and, and so there is a staunch group of supporters but you're also seeing a bunch of young men who who did want to support tate kind of walk back their fandom of andrew tate because you know accusations like human trafficking rape and sexual assault are really really serious brad right like that doesn't make you seem super cool to everyone at your high school when all of a sudden that's your professed hero in the meantime Tate's lawyer has said in Romania, quote, there is not a single piece of evidence other than the victim's statement that a crime was committed. Ashen Singh, great reporting from Nightline. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it, Brad. Take care now. Okay, one more quick break. When we come back, these interns can do everything except bring you coffee. One last thing is next. The first ever criminal trial of a former president is underway in Manhattan. It's one of potentially four trials facing former President Trump as he makes his third bid for the White House. What do voters think about his culpability, and would a guilty verdict make a difference in the election? I'm Galen Druk, and every Monday and Thursday on the 538 Politics podcast, we break down the latest news from the campaign trail. We sort through the noise and zoom in on what really matters using data and research as we go. That's 538 Politics every Monday and Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts.
And one last thing. If you've ever been an intern, you know there's a lot of thankless work involved. But perhaps no intern has ever been asked to do as much as these ones. Is it true that your interns don't get time off, like, ever? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, yeah, they're there when we need them. They are hustling and grinding all the time. That's Kyle Monson from a digital marketing company called Codeword. And this taskmaster has two subordinates now that only exist digitally. We figured, why not bring on some non-human resources to uh, go along with our human resources? Uh, yeah, we, we brought on two, we're calling them AI interns. Uh, their names are Aiden and Iko. So maybe in recent days, you've heard of this thing called ChatGPT. It's basically this piece of software that can teach itself to understand human questions, scour the internet for relevant info, and deliver an intelligible answer. It's like Siri, but if Siri was helpful, and if she could write a five-paragraph essay on command. Well, this company has decided to use this type of technology to create two artificial intelligence interns. The first assignment for these interns was naming themselves. They came up with Aiden and Iko, both start with the letters AI, get it? One will be a writer for the editorial team, and one will work in engineering. What would they do? Uh, what do any interns do? I don't know. They're, they're, we're going to figure that out. Tone analysis, for instance, uh, research on the industry news roundups. What was fascinating was how many times Kyle said they are treating them like any other intern, because the most common thing about interns is that they're inexperienced, they're unproven. As a result, Aiden and Iko will not blindly be given big assignments. Their work won't be seen directly by clients since they can make embarrassing mistakes. While computer systems have taken care of data entry for a long time, part of the assignment here for CodeWord is to figure out whether these systems can help a creative field. Are you worried that Ico might plagiarize things or Aiden? Like when you ask them for stuff, are they going to get you in trouble? Yeah, that's a really good question as well. We're we're not going to put them to work doing public facing assignments. The obvious question here is whether the hiring of these interns came at the expense of young, hungry human tech workers just out of college or entry level jobs about to become irrelevant. I decided to ask the interns about this directly. They haven't been given voices yet, although creepily, they do have computer generated faces. So Kyle volunteered to read Aiden's response to my question. Here's how Aiden responded. Artificial intelligence is already being used in marketing and other areas of the information economy, and it has the potential to significantly improve efficiency and effectiveness. However, it is unlikely that AI will completely replace human intelligence in these areas. And yet even that didn't reassure me. This is like an essay. How long did it take Aiden to write up this statement, this quick statement? Like 0.6 seconds. Oh no. oh, no. One of the big challenges for teachers just in recent weeks is knowing whether their students' essays were written by humans or by chat GPT. Kyle says he usually skims cover letters from college kids. But if job applicants are now asking AI to do their work for them, it'll be tough to hold that against them. After all, candidates and management now all have the same intern. And he kept telling me, we don't want to give these programs too much personality. Like, we don't want to hear their voices. We don't want an uncanny valley thing happening. He said, dude, I got news for you. It's already here. I actually went and asked ChatGBT, this program, to end our show for us today. It says, quote, thanks for listening to Start Here, the daily news podcast from ABC. Keep up with the stories that matter by tuning in every weekday. Have a great day and stay informed. <laughs> I'll see you tomorrow.
Married moms in the suburbs, they've been called soccer moms, they've been called security moms. Pamela Wilk is a so-called soccer mom. Those so-called Walmart moms. She calls herself a hockey mom. I love those hockey moms. The hockey mom trying to connect with the soccer moms. In the 1990s, the idea of soccer moms as the quintessential swing voter took hold. Elections could be won or lost based on a candidate's ability to appeal to them. But were quote-unquote soccer moms actually the deciding factor? In a new series on the 538 Politics podcast, we take a look back at conventional wisdom from past elections with a critical lens. Where did that wisdom come from, and does it hold up today? Find the campaign throwback series in the 538 Politics feed wherever you get your podcasts.